You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello, hello, and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode four, and we're recording on February 10th. I'm Mayor Wilson, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-host and producer, Ms. Carla Clifton. Hey, hey, Carla, how are you today? I tell you what, I'm doing pretty doggone good. How about you? I'm doing fabulous. Excellent, excellent. I love another episode of Myth Behaving, so we can be a little bad. Absolutely. All right. Hello, listeners. How is everybody out there? We'd love to hear from you guys, so please let us hear from you. Anyway, each myth-behaving show features a special guest from the literary world. It could be a writer, a publisher, an agent, an editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. Plus, we have several special segments each show that are related to either writing or reading. So we, we try to get back and forth for the, the readers as well. And I think we've got one of those coming up, I do believe. in the library of a myth behavior. All right, that means it's time for something from the library of the myth behavior. So what are you recommending today, Mayor? Today I'm recommending Front Page Fatality. This is a brand new novel. It just released a few weeks ago. It's written by a new author, Lindy Walker. It's fast-paced. It's very tightly written. It's a mystery with a brand new heroine that is just absolutely darling. Uh, Nichelle Clark is the name of her fabulous heroine. And I love this heroine because she's out there, she's getting her story, and she's getting down in the trenches and getting all this stuff. And, honey, she does it in high heels. So I want you to know this is just an absolutely fabulous heroine. The mysteries are really tight. You just don't don't know where they're going. And so far... I haven't been able to guess who done it. Ooh, those are always the best kind. They and are fabulous. I know. And I guess that kind of tells us, and, and the cat's out of the bag, that our very special guest today is Lindy Walker herself. Hey, Lindy, how you doing? I'm great. Good evening, ladies. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you here. We're just totally excited. I know I know Carla's been listening to me talk about you for ages now. I have. I have. And she is just <laughs> singing your praises. Oh, thank you, Mayor. You're quite welcome. Uh, Lindy is a very special guest, not only because she's a good writer and she's new, and we always want to see new writers just really break in and, and break out at the same time. And, and she's done that. But she's also special because I'm one of Lindy Walker's beta readers. So I get to read her books before anybody else does. And it's just really wonderful. We're going to be talking about betas later on in the show. But it's, it's exciting. And it means that I already know what happens in book two. So I'm sure I've made all of Lindy's fans just very jealous by saying that right now. So I got to tell you guys, it's even better than the first one. And I didn't think that was possible. Oh, thank you. It's awesome. Uh, 
One of the nice things about front page fatality too is you get to see a lot of behind the scenes details on how reporters work. She's just got a lot of of little little tiny things that you wouldn't think about and you go, "Oh wow, I didn't know reporters did that." But you know what, Linda, you came by that knowledge from your own background. You're an award-winning reporter yourself. Could you share with our listeners how you got from being a reporter to writing novels? Yes, ma'am. Uh, the short answer to that is I had a baby. <laughs> um, I loved my career, but it did require very long hours that I was not excited about when I found out I was expecting my first child. And now I have three, and I can not imagine there being enough hours in the day. Um, fortunately for me, reporting is not the best paying career option out there. So my husband and I were able to make the choice for me to stay home. I have never regretted that, but I did miss writing. And when my second child was about a year old, I guess, um, I started playing around in Nichelle's world. I think that writers kind of have to write in order to be happy people. And since I also missed the newsroom, I wrote about a sassy reporter who could wear shoes that make my feet hurt and got herself in hot water poking around a story that didn't make any sense. And she does. I I just love Michelle. She is such a fun, fun character. She is a lot of fun. She has kind of become a real person to me. It's been so many years. I mean, uh, I wrote the rough draft of Front Page in the summer of 2009. So I, I kind of would really like to take Michelle out for happy hour and have a couple of glasses of wine with her. I think that would be fun. She sounds like she'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> She is, she's definitely interesting and she has that ability to say things off the top of her head that I think of, you know, 20 minutes later and go, oh man, I should have said that. Don't you love people like that in real life? I'm not like that either. I've come back three days later and say, and. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And every once in a while you meet people like that in real life, which is what makes writing characters like that fun. Cause I can go back in and go, Hey, this is what she should say here. But she is a lot of fun to write, and I have had a great time with these books. I am thrilled to be able to say that I have contracts for two more books in the Michelle Clark series, plus a novella that is supposed to release at Christmas this year. So I get to keep playing around with this for a little while. And we are very happy. Those of us who are your readers are extremely pleased to know that there are two more Michelle books coming out. So everybody, you're going to get two more at least, right? At least. I'm I'm hopeful that I get to continue with this for a while. I have lots of different situations that she could get into and stories in mind for Nichelle, but I will certainly take a, a two-book deal, and hopefully people will continue to enjoy the stories, and they'll want to publish more of them. Absolutely. Of truth and mythery. Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Lindy, now I want you to feel free to just jump right on in here on this one, okay? Yes, ma'am. All righty. A beta reader can be anyone, as long as you get people to read your book before you send it out. So it could be your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, cousin, or anybody at all is a good choice. Is that truth or mythery? Um, well, I'll say mostly false. 
<laughs> there might be a little bit of truth to that. I think a writer needs betas from all different backgrounds and avenues. But I will say that chances are if you only give your manuscript to people who love you, then no one's going to give you any feedback. That's not just a pat on the head. Um, I actually did have my mom read Front Page Fatality as I was writing it, uh, but that was for fun and because she was excited for me and was asking me for pages. I am still glad I did that because my mother did not live to see it published. But when you're looking for a true, honest beta reader, you need someone who is not going to be afraid to tell you what doesn't work, where they found something unbelievable, where you need to ratchet up your tension. Uh, if you have a beta reader like Mare, they will tell you when your character is not being a very good dog mommy. And <laughs> I have great writer friends who beta for me. I also have my closest girlfriend who is one of the most avid readers I know. She reads probably three or four books a week. Um, and she is not afraid to tell me what she thinks. All of my betas bring something different to the table. And for that reason, they are all invaluable to me. I, I agree with that. And that's something that I did as well. Each of my beta readers brings something different. And I expect something different from each one. I mean, I have, a, I have a couple who are just reading it for story. I have a couple guys who read it to say, okay, does this appeal to, to the male reader? And then I have an English professor, and uh, she catches every little nitty-gritty thing. And then I have uh, just one former student who absolutely adores urban fantasy. So I, I've tried to cover the, the gamut of everybody. And then I have one former editor who also beta reads for me. So they they really, getting that different input is so important with beta readers. But, you know, you talk to, to writers who say, oh no, I just let my friends beta read. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, and a lot of this, I mean, some of these things were things that I learned after I started doing research on traditional publishing. Um, you know, I started off with all this thinking, well, gosh, if you actually managed to finish a novel, then you just wrapped it up and sent it to New York and it magically appeared in Barnes and Noble. And turns out that's really not how it works. Um, so it was a learning curve and it was a process of, of finding other writers and um, people. And I have people who write all different genres. Mare writes urban fantasy, but she likes to read mystery. So she beta reads my books for me. Um and then I have other people, uh, one other beta reader in particular, who really isn't into mystery in any way, shape, or form, but she's very talented. She has a great command of the English language, and she sees big picture story arc better than anybody else I've ever come across, and is very good at pointing to, this doesn't work, but if you change it to be more this way, then that would help me believe it more. So... It's good to have people who see all different kinds of things looking at your work. I agree with that. I really do because it it, it they give you such different feed kinds of feedback. Absolutely. Um, I even have one friend who is more she well she's a math professor so she beta reads for me but she's my numbers person and she's very. She's an avid reader, but she's very analytical and detail-oriented. And so I find in her notes where I'm not a math person at all. I'm not very good at math. Um, if I have numbers that are off, she will correct those for me. If I have Nichelle in, you know, one outfit 
on this page and then four pages later she's at a different place but she's wearing something else and she hasn't been home to change that's the sort of thing that she notices and flags for me if I have a character a minor character whose name magically changes during the story she'll remember that person from 200 pages ago and go hey but her name was this back there um so I think I actually caught an outfit this last time you did. You did. I had this this really great part where I had written that scene on two different days um, because I have small children and sometimes I get interrupted. And I started her off for the day getting dressed in her bedroom and she put on, I think, like linen slacks and a, mm-hmm. and a top. And then I had this really funny scene where um, she dumped her purse out at the police station and was crawling around on the floor trying to find stuff. And I thought it would be funnier if she was wearing a skirt and concerned about that while she was doing so. And I had a couple or three people that went, hey, wait a minute. I thought she was wearing pants. So, see, see, we're doing good by you. Absolutely. It's, it's, that's great because then I don't have to send it to my editor and have her go, hey, what are you doing here? She's got on a different outfit. So, That is such, a, you know, so much of an attention to detail. And I'm one of those type of people that I am not that detail oriented I would not make a good beta reader I mean I know I would not because I go for what I feel not (laughs) what you know not the 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 intimate little details I go for when I read a book I want to I want it to make me feel whether that's happy sad angry you know whatever you know I want it to make me feel so I would could care less if she wore pants in one scene and, and a dress in another. I would never catch it. <laughs> well, I think that, though, the emotional response is a good thing to have from a beta, too, because certainly I know when I'm writing, there are scenes that I think I want people to laugh here. Oh, I want, you know, there to be tension here. And when you have people who can come back and comment, this was funny, or, oh, my gosh, I was biting my nails, or um, I got one on uh, this last book that I just finished that I'm revising now, um, where it was actually my best friend and she popped up on my screen with a chat message while she was reading that <laughs> said, I'm having very unaccustomed feelings of anger toward you right now. You have to find a way to fix it. <laughs> 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 um, and I was a- like, okay, well, good. That's how I wanted you to feel right there, except I don't want you to be mad at me. <laughs> that is, that is terrific. It's a it's a really special relationship that we have with our beta readers. It is, and and I'm so thankful for mine. So I can imagine that that you probably feel the same way. Absolutely. I actually, it was funny. I um sent a message to to one of mine on Twitter today when I was working on my revisions, and just said, you know, you're fantastic. And she <laughs> messaged me back and said, people don't usually compliment me for smacking them around. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you love me and I have so many ideas and this is making it so much better. Yay. Oh, wow. What inspired you to write this series to begin with? You touched on it a little bit, Lindy, but would you tell us a little bit more about how you created Nichelle? Um, Nichelle really started off just as my way of getting back into news and writing while I was still at home with my kids, but she's kind of grown into her own person. And, um, it's, it's really funny because people ask me different questions about her and I almost think of her as a whole other person that I know and not a fictional character that I made up. I'm not sure if that means I'm a little bit crazy or not. And I don't think about it too much because I don't know if I want to know the answer to that. 
Uh, but a lot of her pictures, her funnier story assignments were actually inspired by things I covered when I was working. Uh, in Front Page Fatality, there's a story she writes about a misplaced casket that actually comes from a new story that I wrote when I was working in Texas. I played around with it and made it a little funnier. But it was one of those police reports that you don't forget. Looking through police reports first thing in the morning and you see abandoned casket. And I went, what? Really? So I called the police department and they said, indeed, uh, this man owned a junkyard and had gotten to work and found that someone had left it like an actual, not like a wooden box Halloween decoration, but an actual coffin, the kind you buy at a funeral home, sitting in the middle of the driveway. Wow. And um, I called the, the owner of the junkyard and I talked to him and that was, it was really funny and kind of a fun story. He was very indignant about the fact that when he called 911, apparently the dispatcher asked him what was in it. Uh, well, I mean, that's a legitimate question. Come on. He says, I'm not opening it. It's their, their job to come out here and open it. I don't want to look at whatever my pants. <laughs> Aww. It turned out it was, it really was actually uh, full of, of old scrap metal. Oh, then and, that's even uh, funnier. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but it was, that was pretty crazy. And, and there are a lot of things like that, that I've kind of thought of and made a list of and thought, okay, well, you know, she could get this story and she can have to go out and cover this, that I've had a lot of fun with, with Nichelle. That's totally cool. That's a great story. <laughs> There are a few more. There's there's um one in the second book. I already have one in mind for the third book. So um it's it, reporting is one of those jobs that is just never dull. There is always something different. It's usually a lot of fun. And there are days when it's sad and it's difficult. September 11th was not a fun day to be a reporter. Oh, I bet not. Uh, mm. but there are other times when you just, you can't make this stuff up. You come across people that you think, <laughs> my goodness. I, I like, one of the things I like about Nichelle is how, you know, you could have taken the easy way out and and made her the star reporter that everybody is absolutely adoring. But she really works her butt off. And she's really struggling to stay on top on a daily basis. And I like that about her. Well, thank you. I actually, I have to give some credit to my editor for that because I do like Nichelle. And, and at the beginning in the early drafts, she was much more kind of the star of the show and didn't really have a whole lot of that competition and pressure. And um, the very first set of notes that I got from my editor said she should be under more pressure. And I thought, okay, how can I take this nice character that I love so much and cause problems in her life? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it works. But, it works, Lindy. It really does. Thank you. Her response to it was was good, I think. I, the character herself, I went, okay, well, if she had this, then this is how Nichelle would react to that because she's competitive. So thank you. I'm glad it works. Yeah, it does. It works, and it gives her an edge and takes her out of being like Little Miss Perfect and makes her kind of edgy. Well, good. I'm glad. Things that make characters real, I think, are good things. And you know, characters in books, I don't think they should be perfect because people aren't perfect. No, that, and that's something I'm having to do um, in book two because uh, one of my, well, my English professor, Beta, uh, came back with 
this is just, he is just so perfect. Can I please have this child? <laughs> and I'm like, okay. She's like, no, real children are not like that. <laughs> no, no, they're not. I love my children, but they are, they are not perfect. They're good kids, but they, they, they get yelled at sometimes. It's time for Myth Print, tips and tricks of the industry. Okay, that means it's time for another one of our special segments. And Myth Print includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else you want to do with the industry. Lindy, do you have any tips about approaching a publisher that you could share with our new writers, our very beginner writers? Um, I do. I will say you should be nice. Um, send them a professional query letter. Be appreciative of their time. Editors are busy people, and writers who treat editors like they're doing them a big favor by offering to let them read their manuscript that's so wonderful don't always get the warmest reception, even if your book is the best thing ever written. Wow. Be nice and don't act full of yourself when you first approach people. Um, having said that, I will say that my editor is a truly lovely person, and she is wonderful to work with. And I did kind of break a... a long-standing rule in the very beginning. I'm sure that every writer who's been around publishing for very long has heard that you are not supposed to reply to a rejection from an agent or an editor. But I had very carefully researched publishing and really felt like Henry Press was where I wanted to be. And I got a very complimentary rejection from the managing editor there. So I emailed her back a polite request for feedback. I started it off with, I really hope I'm not being too much of a pain. I know it's not your responsibility to do this, but if you have a minute, could you please? And then asked her to tell me why she said in the initial email that she was on the fence, but decided to pass in the end and then invited me to send her my next project. Uh, my fabulous editor was sweet enough to reply, and she told me she thought it took gumption to reach out and ask her for her opinion. And then she gave me her major issue with my novel. And I replied with a very sincere thank you and told her I was happy to have something to work on. And she wrote back and asked to see the revision when I got done with it. And when I sent it back to her, she called and offered me a contract on the book about 10 days after she got it. Ooh, that's exciting. Don't you? It really was. It was like a that. very kind of surreal moment. Um, my husband was actually traveling on business and was in the city where the publisher's offices are. So the number came up on the caller ID and I thought it was him. And I just picked up the phone and said, Hey, and instead I got a woman's voice asking for me. And I thought, who is this? And then when she identified herself, I don't remember anything about that conversation except that at one point she said, if you're still interested in working with us, I would like to offer you a contract. And I love what you did with this. And I was sitting there going, don't say anything stupid. Don't say anything stupid. <laughs> and um, she was very, very sweet. And there now there's an actual book downstairs on my bookshelf. With two more to come. Yes. And, and the story. And it's a lot of fun. We are, we are playing around with um, Christmas at Graceland. And some some mystery hijinks that go along with that. So I think that will be a lot of fun to write. And it's also a little bit of a hat tip to my mom because she was a big Elvis fan. So that's awesome. And I loved I loved your tip. Your tip was was fabulous, Lindy. That was a good tip. And I liked your story about the editor. And and that's I think a lesson to people about the being nice. This is what happens when you're nice and when you're polite instead of just 
you could have just blown that rejection off and left it at that. But there, there must have been something telling you don't blow it off because how many do we get? We blow them off. You know, we have Absolutely. to blow them off or we'll go crazy. But something must have been telling you, you know, I want an answer to this one, especially, you know, I researched the publisher that I'm with. I was the same way. I really wanted to be with this particular publisher. And so I think if I'd gotten a rejection, I would have probably taken a leaf out of your book and, and followed along with what you did because that was such a smart, smart thing that you did. But it really does pay to be nice. I mean, that's a great tip, but that's a lesson. Your your story is such a lesson to new writers. Don't be afraid to ask. What's the worst that they can tell you that they cannot answer you at all if they don't have time? Or maybe they're, they really were on that borderline and you might just kick them right on over into saying, okay, let me take a look after you rewrite it. You just never know. You really don't. And I think with, with this one, it really was just that I had, I had looked into it so much. Um, actually based on some advice that I got from a literary agent that I had really wanted to work with. And, um, I really, really liked this publisher and what they were doing and their cover art is amazing and fantastic. And, um, I didn't want to let it go. And when I saw in that email, you know, you're very talented, you have a terrific voice. I was on the fence. In the end, I decided to pass. I thought, well, how come? There has to be something that I can fix. It's not perfect, but I don't know what to do to it. So, um, but asking definitely did pay off for me. That well, yeah. that and you know, ripping out fifty thousand words of the back half of the book and rewriting it. <laughs> yeah, I know how that goes too. Our our <laughs> so much of of our um, careers have kind of like paralleled over the last year we both got our contracts within like two weeks of each other yeah, we were both going through there was just it was because we we belong to that same writers forum that I've I've mentioned before that Gretchen McNeil also belongs to and we we just were like parallel for like a, a year together so we're like these book sisters <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes it really yeah. does and that group has just been so invaluable on so many levels. Gretchen, actually, the day that I got my contract, I think after I told my best friend, Gretchen was probably the first person I told because I could see that she was online on my chat screen. So I sent her a message and said, oh, my gosh, I just got off the phone with the editor. And she was like, oh, yeah, what'd she say? So it's a very supportive group. And it's been wonderful to have people there to bounce ideas off of and get feedback from and celebrate and you know, commiserate when the going is not so good. It is a good group. And, you know, part of, I mentioned this a little bit about the, the career thing, but writing, it's just a process. It's a process of so many, many, many things. What do you love most about it so far, Lindy? Um, my characters, I think. I love seeing the characters develop and I love learning new things about them. Uh, my favorite thing about the writing process itself is revising, going and digging back into the story and finding ways to make it stronger, which is what I'm currently doing with my second Nichelle book. Um, it, that's a lot of fun for me. That's terrific. As a new author, is there anything about the process that you don't like? In other words, what's your least favorite part of the job? Hmm. I have had a ball with just about everything so far. 
Um, my least favorite part of writing is probably drafting the middle part of a novel. I always seem to end up struggling a little bit to direct the story and keep it rolling. But that's why I love revising, because once I have it down, then I can go back in and fix it up and make it shine. Cool. Of course, I've, as I said, I've, I've already read book two, um, and I'm going to be very careful and not give away things. But is there anything that you'd like to share with our readers about book two <laughs> that you can talk about? Oh, I would love to. Um, I'm very excited about this book. I like it a lot, and I hope other people do, too. Nichelle gets to dip a toe into politics this time, which has kind of always been her dream. So that was a lot of fun to write about. A certain sexy mafia boss is back, and so is ATF agent Kyle Miller. I've seen a lot of things floating around the internet about these two guys and people saying, oh gosh, I hope he comes back. So I'm very happy to report that they both make appearances in book two. There you have it, guys. You're going to have to get the second book, which she's got a working title, but I don't think we have a real title yet, so I'm not going to say it. I, yeah, I'm, you know, it's funny because we had so much trouble coming up with a title for front page. I mean, like a month of back and forth with my editor <laughs> trying to settle on a, a final title for this book. She seems to like the working title of book two is Buried Leads. My editor seems fond of it. Uh, there is no other book that I've been able to find that's called that. So maybe it will stick. I'm hopeful because it would be so nice to not have to have a month long title search this time. <laughs> I bet. And authors work in so many different ways. Lindy, are you a planner? Do you outline everything when you're doing this? Do you make a lot of notes? Or are you a pantser? Are you flying by the seat of your pants and your book goes wherever it will? Uh, I'm mostly a pantser. I do plot out the mysteries, um, usually backward, actually. My mysteries usually start with me going, this is who done it. And then I figure out how they did it and where to put in clues and how to get in a shell there. Uh, the rest of the story is always a surprise because it's a lot more fun for me that way. Well, that's good. We've seen a lot of changes in the industry in, just in the last couple of years. Do you feel the changes have impacted your own work? And if so, in what ways, in what ways, and how do you feel about those changes? I think some doors have closed, but other ones have opened. Advances have dwindled, and it is harder for an unknown author to get noticed by a big publishing house. But the rise of ebooks has made way for some really fantastic small presses like Henry, and they specialize in certain niches and they do amazing work. My editor is brilliant. The house has top notch artists. It's been five months since I first laid eyes on my cover, and I'm still in love with it. They do fabulous, innovative marketing. Everyone there works their tails off for the authors and the books, and they're building a stellar reputation and attracting award-winning talent, and I could not be happier to be part of it. That's exciting. I mean, that is very exciting when you are able to feel those changes and and see them and and be able to use them to your advantage. It really has been wonderful for me, I think, um, in that respect. The, the changes in the industry really have caused smaller houses to be able to do really fantastic stuff. And I feel like I have found a perfect home for Nichelle and for myself. And I'm very, very excited about that. That's great. The myth number. 
And that means it's time for misnomer, our word of the day, except today I want to use a phrase, and that is kind of our theme today, which is beta reader. I believe it's important to have readers that you mesh with, that read your genre and like it, that will be honest and trustworthy and discerning. But you want to also make sure that you set up ground rules in advance so your beta reader knows just exactly what's expected of them. Lindy, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Finding people from different backgrounds who will look for different things, like we said earlier, is important. And I think Mayor is exactly right that when you let people know what you expect from them in advance, it makes the whole experience easier. I also think it's really important to take the feedback that you get with a little bit of a grain of salt. I mean, you're the author, and at the end of the day, it's your book. People can see things and suggest things all day long, and some of them you're going to agree with, and others you might not, and that's okay. Just because somebody else sees it or suggests it to you doesn't mean you have to change it, but at least it gives you the opportunity to go back and look at it again and see if you can see what it is that they're talking about in the story. That's a good point. It's a very good point. Okay, now comes the fun stuff. If you could have a dinner party with any seven people, living, dead, or fictional, who would you include? This is such a fun question. My mom would be the first person on my list because I would love to have a chance to make sure I said everything that I know I meant to but can't remember if I actually did. I would also like to invite Laura Levine because she is one of my idols and she was kind enough to read front page and say lovely things about it. I still smile every time I see her quote on my cover. I'd like to hug her and thank her in person for that. In that same vein, Harley Jane Kozak also read for me and I have also long been a fan of her work and I bet she would be the life of the party just from the emails that I exchanged with her because she is so fun. From the fictional category, I would invite the heroine of my favorite novel, Gone with the Wind, so I could have Scarlett O'Hara and tell her that I admire her strength and also tell her that she's very stupid about men, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Y'all said seven. That's right. Four. Uh, Agatha Christie, because she was the grand dam of mystery, and it would be an honor to meet her. Edgar Allan Poe, because my oldest daughter is very possibly his youngest fan. She might disown me if I had the opportunity and did not ask him. And Jackie Kennedy, because I have always admired her quiet strength and determination. What an exciting party. Wow. (laughs) That's a great list, Lindy. You know, every guest, I just like, I want to guard their parties because their parties sound like they would absolutely be a blast. (laughs) That would be a lot of fun. It would. Okay. Another one of our fun questions. What question do you never get asked? And of course, you're new, so you haven't done a whole lot of this yet. But but think about it. You've done you've done quite a few interviews over the last few weeks. So what question did they never ask you that you wish somebody would ask you? And what would you answer? Goodness. No one ever asks about my family, I guess. I would answer that my husband is handsome and funny and wonderful and supportive and a better dad than I would have ever dared to wish for for my little ones. My children are my light. My very favorite thing about being a mom is the moments when you can look at them and smile and know that you have created something that makes the world a better place. Oh, that's so 
such a great, great answer. answer. <laughs> it is. Okay. Well, everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true, their own personal myth behaviors, if you will. What myth behavior do people believe about you that it's absolutely not true? I have a good answer for this. I hear from a lot of people that I seem to have it all together. And that is so far from the truth. They can't see the truth with a telescope. Twice this week, I left my house in my pajamas because we overslept and were late for school. My house generally looks like the children have planted small explosive devices throughout unless we are expecting to have people over. I do manage to keep everyone clean and fed generally, but I am not Donna Reed. <laughs> Is anybody these days? <laughs> I hope not, because I'm going to feel woefully inadequate if they are. I that was you. such an awesome answer. I'm going to in- interject before we ask you the next one, but... How old are your children, Lindy? I have, uh, my daughter is nine, and then I have a four-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. You got real little ones still. I do. They are a lot of fun, but they do take up a lot of time and energy. Not that I would trade that for anything in the whole world. I get from a lot of people, where do you find time to write? And I, my short answer for that is always I drink a lot of coffee and I write when they're asleep. And that's true to a certain extent, but it's also really that my husband is wonderful and very supportive and he does take the children for the afternoon on the weekends and take them for a couple of evenings during the week and let me have time to sit and play with my imaginary friends. That's what awesome. a good dad. He is. <laughs> okay. And back into our, our, um, questions again, what myth behavior do people believe about you that really is true? That I have a big heart and I am very genuine. I do love to help people and I love to entertain people. And what you see is totally what you get. I may not always be cool, but I am never fake. Oh, wow. I wish there were more people like you. <laughs> I told you she was awesome. <laughs> that is such a great answer. Wow. Oh, I don't even know how to follow that one up because it's, I love a genuine person being, you know, from Texas and, you know, we just try to just shoot a straight shot, you know, and, and say the right things and do the right things and be a good person. And you seem to be the epitome of that. And that's, that's amazing. I thank you for that answer. Thank you. Okay. As we've said in previous episodes, we're having a contest to celebrate the launch of Myth Behaving. And guess what? We have a winner! Yay! We win! Um, We chose the answer that we thought best fit our idea of myth behaving and what it means to us and how it applies to our show. Our prize package, I think, was just absolutely awesome. We have three of Tim Powers' books that will be signed by Tim. Uh, Kay Latham will be signing two, her two books that are published that are in the package. And we have ebooks, two from Christine Ashworth and one from Cindy Young Turner, both fabulous, uh, writers. And the winner is Carla, you want to say it? I'm just so excited. Here's the drum roll. Janine McDevitt. Her entry was Myth Behaving. Where reality meets fantasy. 
Congratulations, Janine. I loved your entry. Uh, I've already heard back from her and her emails, and she's already got uh, the ebooks are already sent out to her, I believe. So, congratulations. I think we're going to be able to use that that entry with not a problem at all. I love that entry. I mean, because it just you know is what we do and who we are, and it's simple and it's elegant, but it's just it, it it is what it is it is well lindy you know we have had such a great time I, I hate to see that the this is almost the end of our show i mean you i have been such a joy to talk with and your answers are so charming and funny and honest and gosh you're gonna have to come back sometime i would love to i had a great time thank y'all so much for having me I, I really do uh, appreciate you doing this, Lindy. And I know this is you're you're in what? Are, did we just getting ready to start week three, or did we? Yes, it will be. Is, it came out on January 29th, so it it'll be two weeks ago Tuesday. Okay, so we're we're starting to get into week three of this, and and everybody, if you haven't had a chance to read Front Page Fatality, go check it out because such a fun 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 mystery to read. And Lindy, we do appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. You've given us some fabulous information. Like Carla said, you are you are so charming, and it's such a joy to know you and to to have you as a, a, a writing friend. That's been awesome for me as well. I wish you the the absolute best of luck. Not that you need it because it's a fabulous series, but everybody, it's headline in headlines in heels with the fabulous Nichelle Clark. Thank you so much for everything. I have had such a lovely evening, and I really, really appreciate you guys inviting me to be on. Well, we're really glad that you were here. And for those of you that are listening, all you have to do is go down there in our little show notes where you saw this. If you didn't see it on our website and you got it through iTunes, go to our show notes because we're going to have a little, you know, one of those little book you know, a copy of her little book there and you just click on it. It takes you right to the book and you can buy it right there. So it makes it really easy. <laughs> and Any- the ebooks are even still on sale to celebrate the launch. They're only like two ninety nine. Oh my gosh, that's so fabulous. See there? Y'all got a good deal. Alrighty. Remember everybody go to mythbehaving.com for more information on Lindy Walker. Links to her book. You can read her bio. You can also find her links to her social media. Don't forget, you can download this episode on iTunes and take it with you. Or you can listen right on the MythBehaving.com website. Okay, please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. We need to move up the ladder, and the only way we can do it is if you take a moment, stop, go to iTunes, give us a little quick, you know, positive review. That will really boost us up. Thank you. You can also subscribe to us right on iTunes. And listeners, if you have a topic or a guest that you'd like us to consider, please feel free to contact us through our MythBehaving.com website. Thanks for tuning in to MythBehaving, and we'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. And I'm Mare, and we are MythBehaving. MythBehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon.